What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. How y'all doing? Go ahead and turn the lights on for me there, Zach. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Excited to see what the kids learned today. Hopefully they'll have stories to tell you on the way home today if they came with you. And y'all had a good week. A few of you. It's, it's cool. All right, well, we're, we're going to have a good day. How's that sound? Because this is a new week. This is Sunday. It's the first day of the week, so it's a brand new week. If you're turning with us online, thank you so much for joining with us online. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We're so glad that you joined with us online this morning. What we want to do is invite you to come down and join us in person at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings or 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights at 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. That is our current location and subject to change in the future, amen? So get us while we're here, and you can help come grow with us, amen. All right, well, we began a new series last week, and for those online, they're checking it out this week, but called Mission Next Level Freedom Church, or Mission NLFC. And we talked last week a little bit about discipleship training and how that works here at the church. The goal of this series is to teach you what our mission is here at Next Level Freedom Church. Because we didn't just decide to open a church and have a good place to sit on Sunday mornings here about four years ago when we launched. Um, We actually have a purpose, amen? A purpose for why we're here. It's not just so we can open doors to another church on another Sunday morning. Um, We're here to accomplish a purpose, a purpose that God gave me, started building on, I guess 11 years ago now. It was February of 2012. And God gave me the vision for Next Level Freedom Church sitting at work. I drew it on a napkin during my break. And it was just a picture at that point. It was just a drawing. And God began to train me over the next several years and turn it into something. We had an opportunity during that time. I was on a sabbatical from the church I was at. I took a few months off to figure out because I knew God was calling me to something. I didn't know what it was. And I got the vision during that few months. And ended up getting a chance to go back to college in that few months time period. And so I started at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. It was that April, I believe. It all happened quick. God God just set it up and we went. And then on August 10th, I believe, 2012, me and my wife took a journey. And Jasmine, because Shia wasn't here yet, took a journey to Jackson, Tennessee, led by God. And we weren't sure what we were getting into. All I knew was even at that moment, and I'll look back and talk about it now, it was an Abraham moment. God says, I need you to get out of your country and go to a land I'm going to show you, and I've got something for you. And that's all I had to go on. So in this society, that seems a little strange, right? You just hop up and move and go. But all I knew was that God had told me to do it. So what we did was in order to find the time to move, my wife began applying for jobs at hospitals down that way. She's a nurse, so we knew she'd have the first chance at getting a job down there. And once she got in, that's when we selected our moving date. 
And when we got there, we were there for four years, and we understood exactly why God, it took about eight months for God to begin to show us the reason we were there. But we were there for training. We ended up becoming a part of a church down there known as Love and Truth Church, Pastor Eddie Couples. You guys saw him last year at the Armor of God conference, if you caught that. And began to learn about purpose. So the good thing about what was happening, the way God did it for me, is that I'm in college learning to lead, and at the same time, I'm given opportunities to lead in a church. Amen? So while we were there, what God really did when we went down there is when we decided to walk in the doors the first time, because I remember when I drew the vision on a napkin, and I'm like, oh, that looks great, God, but I don't see that happening in today's society. Because I'd never seen a church with anything like it, right? Well, we walked in the step, uh, the door of Love and Truth Church down there in Jackson, Tennessee, and they were doing it. And it was almost like God said, I told you it could be done. And he was showing me it's happening. This stuff is going on. I need you to become a part of it. So we ended up studying for a few more years, moved back here in 2016. It wasn't until 2017 we began preparation for Next Level Freedom Church. We designed our logo, which has a purpose. We didn't design anything in this ministry or vision without purpose. So everything down to the logo has a purpose for being there. It's not just something I slapped on a piece of paper one day and decided, hey, this looks good. Let's go for it. No, God had a purpose in everything we were doing we had been to church planners training in 2014 and God just slowly began to build until finally in 2018 September 30th we launched the next level freedom church here in Jackson Missouri at the Jackson Civic Center which for those of you know is across town and then from there the rest is history things started happening God started doing things and so but we have a mission here at the church and that is what was in the intro video that you just saw but it's also I want to look at it with you again our mission is to effectively lead a generation of believers to a closer relationship with God through discipleship training athletics entertainment business family and in all walks of life This will be accomplished by giving people the opportunity to freely worship God through the exercising of their gifts and effectively sharing Jesus Christ with others. That's the mission of Next Level Freedom Church. It's a two-sentence statement. The first sentence tells us what we're about. The second sentence tells you how we're going to accomplish it. Amen? And that is what we call our mission statement. But that's a lot to remember, right? Now, some of you got good memorization. You'll have that memorized just from looking at it, photographic memories and things. Others of you, it's easier to sum it up. So we sum it up into what we call our vision statement, which is reaching others where they're at. It's five words, easier to remember. So when somebody asks you, what is Next Level Freedom Church about? What is your church about? You can simply tell them, reaching others where they're at. That's what we're about. We don't care if, okay, and I've talked about it. I don't know if I said it last week. Whether you're zero, you've just been born, or 150 years old, God's still got a purpose for your life, right? And so with that purpose in mind, we need to be able to reach you or others Right where they're at. Remember we talked about a statement here not too long ago. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And we talked about feeding the hungry. We talked about giving them a bottle of water. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Give them something to eat. Give them food. That's biblical. I wish I'd have brought that scripture with me, but I did not this morning. Our key passage for this entire series comes out of Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 10. And here is what it says. 
Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. I mean, y'all have ever felt like you've been weary doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We come here in unity Sunday mornings. We don't care about your past. We've had people from the Catholic background, Baptist background, Methodist background. We've had different backgrounds over the years, and they're coming in, Pentecost background. All these different denominations coming together because the one objective we have in mind when we launched Next Level Freedom Church was to establish a community of believers even outside the church setting. You've been through growth track. You've seen our vision. You've seen the drawing that I drew on that napkin all those years ago because we're here to accomplish unifying the body of believers because for too long we've had this thing called denomination dividing the church. And so therefore we're here to unify. Notice that our objective is to unite a, a body, a community of people, community of believers. It's about community. What we're building is not just a church. It's more like a community center with a church in it. There are businesses in this community center. There are places for people to hang out, to come, to feel not persecuted because they believe in Jesus, but so that they have a place with something in common with other believers so that they can begin to grow themselves and be discipled so that one day they will disciple other believers. Amen? So we're about unity here at the church, and we've been talking a little bit about that. We talked a lot about that last week. I ain't going to repeat last week's sermon. This week, we're going to be coming out of Galatians chapter 6, though, and we're going to look at verses 12 through, let me see what it says, 18. So uh, we, we talked about in that mission statement we looked at earlier, there are six things listed kind of right there in the middle. The one is the believers were... Uh, lead a generation of believers to a closer relationship with God through, here they are, discipleship training, which we talked about last week, athletics, entertainment, which we're going to talk about those two this week, business, family, and in all walks of life. Because how many of y'all know it's not about just coming to church on Sunday mornings? It's about what are you doing to make a difference out there? So we come here to get recharged, refreshed on Sunday mornings to build one another up so that we can go out there and tell other people about Jesus. So when you walk out that door this morning, you are entering the mission field. I mean, that stuff can happen here as well, but more than likely, most of the time, it's going to happen out there. It's going to happen with the people that you meet on a day-to-day -day basis, who you invite to church on a day-to-day -day basis. Because here's what statistics tell us anyway. 80% of the people in America say that if you just invite me to church, I'll go. We look around. So only 20% of people won't go if you ask. What's that say about the church? We're not inviting them, right? 
not inviting them to come to church. And that is the deal. So people, 80% of Americans say, if you just invite me, if I'm invited, I'll go. Whether they want to be here or not, they'll go. Just, you know, a lot of people want to think of it as doing God a favor, right? Let me, let me, okay, let's clear that up real quick. God doesn't need your favors. He wants your soul. He wants to save your soul from eternal damnation. So it's not about doing God a favor. It's about letting God do you a favor and save your life from what's coming. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. Sin leads to death. So today we're going to actually talk about athletics and entertainment a little bit. And we put these two in one message, so I guess that turns us into a five-week series. But we can put them two into one message because we want to hit on just a few things. Because how many of y'all know when you hear those two words in today's society, a lot of church people will cringe. Athletics, that's always interfering with the church. We can't have athletics, right? Entertainment, God's not about entertainment. He's serious all the time, right? I don't believe that. I disagree. I believe God has a sense of humor. Have you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? (laughs) I have. I laugh every day. God, are you sure? If I ever woke up in the morning and scared yourself in the mirror, whoa, what is that? Oh, come on. Got a few smiles out of you. But God has a sense of humor because you look at how many mistakes we make on a daily basis, and yet he still loves us. How many of y'all ever made a dumb mistake, right? A dumb mistake, and then you wish you could take it back, or maybe you said something you shouldn't have, right? Or, or how about this? And this isn't necessarily a good thing, but let me just throw this out there. You was talking to somebody, and you said something as sort of a comeback, and then you were embarrassed that you said it. Oh, I should have said this, right? Later you think about it, I should have told him this, right? Well, that's, that, if, if it's not in love, it's not a God, right? So it's really, look at your neighbor. Let's get something out of the way this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's always about him. Amen. So let's talk about these two topics this morning. Here's our vision on athletics. If you look at the final drawing, and some of you are going through growth track here in just a couple of weeks, you're going to get to see it. If you look at the final drawing of what we have for the final facility, at least here in the Jackson campus, you're going to notice there's other things around a church building. There's a gymnasium, a workout gym, swimming pool. We're going to talk about movie theater in a minute. Whoa, you mean all that's in a church? Yeah. And probably, can I really, can I just be real for a second? Probably one of the key places that you're going to make the most difference, there's a coffee bar right in the middle. Oh, come on, y'all looking at me all hard. How many of y'all ever went to Starbucks just to have a conversation with your friend, right? Or one, or actually, my, uh, Scooters, which Scooters is drive-thru right here. But you go and you have a cup of coffee. I've met several pastors and ministers and people that just wanted to talk at coffee shops. Why is that? Because it's the social time. Why do you think Starbucks' business plan went as far as it did? It gives you an opportunity to feel a part of something. That should be the feeling that comes when people leave next level. They feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Because they are. They were at least for that moment. So athletics. There's a gym. We're going to have athletics. We support athletics. Let's just be real. If you're an athlete, I'm right alongside you cheering you on that you're an athlete. I know you don't hear that from the pulpit, right? Come on. 
especially if the tournament's on a Sunday morning, right? right? Well, let's just be real. If you're an athlete, that's because don't think that you got that gift all by yourself. God gave you the ability to be an athlete. So here's what you do. Now, it shouldn't happen all the time. Let's just be real. But if you have a tournament on a Sunday and you're going to have to miss church, I'm not going to judge you for that. Here's what I expect you to do, though, while you're out there. You should be a light of Christ to everyone in that stadium, on that ball diamond, wherever it is that you're at. They should see Jesus through you because I'm just crazy enough to believe God is not just in the four walls of the church. He's out there. So because he's out there, if you have to miss church every now and then for an, a ball game or a tournament, well, God bless you, but here's what I expect you to do. Live like a Christian. The world around you should know just by the way you're living. Now, here's the deal. How many of y'all are parents of athletes? Okay, I am. How many of y'all ever caught yourself getting upset at the, we'll call them officials, because they're refs, they're umpires, whatever they are, because they made a bad call, right? Woo! That's where a place where a lot of people want to lose their religion. <laughs> because their child didn't get a foul caught on them when it should have been. Or, let's just be real, sometimes it's just the fact that your child missed the shot, but you want to blame it on a foul, right? Come on, that's basketball I'm talking about. So here's the deal. As a parent, that shouldn't be your attitude. Now, you come to our house. See, I'm, not, I'm speaking to myself. Come to our house on game night. Game day, whatever, we're playing board games. Have you ever seen at our house at a board game night? I mean, almost fists are flying, right? Because we are highly competitive at the house. Nobody likes to lose, right? So you just look and the comp you can see, yeah, even my wife, Ashley. Some of y'all are like, I cannot see that. No way. She is highly competitive. I know. I've lived with her for 17, almost 18 years now. And... But I am too, and so are my daughter and son. Nobody likes to lose. So here's the deal. We need to learn to control that, at least in public. When you're with your family, they kind of expect it, right? And I'm with you, guy. I'm the loudest person in the stadium. I think I'm the loudest one in the bleachers when my daughter's playing a ball game. Mostly basketball is what she's done. She's dead. Dead. You're loud. You're embarrassed to be, right? That's because I'm into it, right? I love watching him play, and Josiah will get the same thing one day. He's playing t-ball right now, so and he's wanting to play basketball. But that's all coming, but we ought to be able to control that. Galatians 6, 12 to 13 says, let me get this before I go on a rant, right? Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be, un to be circumcised. We're going to talk about that in just a second. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So here, let me give you point number one, and we're going to talk about what we just read. Number one, there is nothing wrong with athletics. Absolutely not. God gave you that gift. We expect you to use it. Amen? Because he can use you to do greater things. How many of y'all know some famous maybe football, basketball, athletes that are Christians, and you know they're a Christian because they talk about it openly. Y'all realize how big of a platform they have? You realize how many of these kids, adults, whatever, are looking up to them and that they're witness? Now, here's the other deal. Don't put them on a pedestal because as soon as they fall, you're the first one to point a finger, right? 
and say, look at what they did. I thought they were a Christian. The whole time you forgot to look in the mirror that morning because you made a mistake, I'm sure, already by that point. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. So the deal that's going on right here in Galatians 6 is there's a, a discussion and a debate which later led to the Jerusalem Council. You can read that. I think it's Acts chapter 10 where they have the Jerusalem Council where there's a big discussion about whether new believers, Gentiles or Jews alike, should go through the circumcision of the Jews and that would be part. So here's what's really going on. They want to take your grace, your gift from God, and turn it into something religious, a tradition. Well, if you read about the Jerusalem Council there in Acts, you find out that they decided circumcision was no longer the sign of you being a believer. They said baptism was your open confession to being a believer. But it's all about the grace of God and whether you've asked him into your heart or not. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all need to read your Bible. Y'all realize there's some good church fights in your Bible? Paul says, I withstood Peter to his face. He's saying we fought. And in his opinion, he won, right? So look at, so this not, it's natural as a human to go through these thoughts and these emotions. But what we got to do is keep Christ at the center of everything. So they're dealing with people who expect them to be circumcised, um, the Judists here. Want them to be circumcised so you can't just be a believer is the debate. You got to be circumcised like us if you want to go to heaven. Well, they later discussed that and found out, yeah, that's not true. But they were doing it so that they could boast. Did you hear what it said? Boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Ha! Got that person to get circumcised. You see that? See what I did for you, God? Right? Oh, come on. That's religion. Y'all have seen that before. Anybody ever been to a religious church? My hands up. My hands up. I've been in religious churches that care about everything but God, right? Everything going on in the building, but they don't care about God. They just want to fight about the stuff in the building. We gave an example last week. You can go check that out. Second Timothy, here's what it says. Chapter 2, verses 3 to 7. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. If you're a believer, who is your commanding officer? Jesus. Jesus God. All right. So he's saying, don't get wrapped up in all this worldly stuff that you're getting wrapped up in. You need to worry about pleasing the only one that really matters, and that's God. That's Jesus. Don't worry, because there's always, we say this all the time, there is always going to be critics. There's always going to be people pointing fingers at you and watching just to see if you're going to stumble so that they got something to talk about. Let me tell you something else. Let's just break it down to you real this morning. Those are also the same people that never go anywhere with their life. Take a look around. The ones pointing fingers, see, they're not on the ball field playing the game. They're in the bleachers. It's easy to be a crit critic sitting in the baseball stadium, right? You look down, oh, he should have done that. But it's different when you're on the front lines playing the game. So you let them go ahead and be critics because they're going to sit there and not go anywhere until they realize they're a critic. And then if they get delivered, they're going to make a difference. And they're not going to be trying to put you down. They're going to be trying to lift you up. Amen? Because that's what we're about as brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 5 says, similarly, in anyone who competes as an athlete, some of y'all didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive a victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. 
Could your neighbor say the same thing applies to you? If you're a Christian and you want to win the victor's crown, you're going to have to play by the rules. First and foremost rule, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. The only way you're getting to heaven is through Jesus. Next, you're going to live by God's law because you're going to want to live by God's law. Not that you're condemned under the law because you got the blood of Jesus, but something changes inside of you. Something clicks, and suddenly you don't want to live the old life anymore. You want to live a new life in Christ. And when you see that happen, that's when you're going to start seeing God make some changes. You're going to have to cut some people off. Get some people out of your lives. They're not doing you any good. That's tough. I've had to cut people off. They were holding me back from what God had for me. Not to mention, if you stick around them long enough, they'll pull you down right along with them. Right? And you'll be the critic in the stand watching the game be played and not being a part of it. Just talking about everybody playing the game. We call those gossipers. Right? Gossipers never go anywhere in God's kingdom. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive a victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The, ha- the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. If you're working at it, you're going to get something. Reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all this. So the one who done the work is the one who reaps the harvest, right? The farmer that sows the seed and takes care of that seed and watches it grow is the one that reaps the harvest. Then he can bless others with that harvest. Amen. Interesting that he always chooses farmers. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be careful how you live. People are watching. We're going to read Romans 14 here at the end. Just God threw this at me this morning. and It's something I think you need to hear. I was just going to do a section of it. But I think you just need to hear what Paul had to say about the whole situation. Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Point number two, do not let your gifts replace God. Here's where we have a problem. You may be a good athlete. You may be someone that's highly competitive. And you may be one that misses every now and then. But here's the problem. When your gift begins to replace God, you now have an idol. So suddenly it's about the adrenaline you get going to the next ball game. It's no longer about God. You're no longer living a witness. You're just about winning all the time, right? Don't let your gifts replace the one who gave you the gift. Amen? You should always remember who gave you the gifts that you're talking about. 1 Timothy 4.8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So just because you're athletic and you're training, and an athlete trains hard, really. Come on, look at you. How do you, okay, let's just use an example. Those wrestlers you see on TV, the big ones the ones with all the muscle, or those athletes that are competing in sports and they're ripped and they're cut, they didn't get there by eating a Big Mac and drinking soda. Like the rest of us, right? 
They got there through hard training. They watched what they ate. They had to fast certain things, diet a certain way, exercise up early. You ever seen Rocky? He was up early in the morning and he was out running, right? Because he was competing for a prize. They have to train for that. The rest of us who are in the bleachers are just talking about how good they are. They're on the field, so therefore there are certain things they have to do in order to accomplish the task they're trying to accomplish. So they have to give up some things. Look at your neighbor and say, we sometimes have to give up some things. If you can't give up anything and sacrifice it for God, you're going to have a problem walking anywhere in this walk. Amen? So physical training does have value, but here's what he said. Godliness has value for all things. So yeah, train, do your thing. But God better remain the center of everything you do. Galatians 6, 15 and 16. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. They're over there doing a new, collect, new creation class right now with the young people. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. Here's number three. Stay focused on the true prize. Things of this world are passing away. There's an old song about that, DC Talk, way back in the day. Things of this world are passing away. They're not going to stay. They're not going to remain. So the stuff you thought you were going to have forever, and a lot of us do that when we're kids, right, or teens, or whatever, because we think this stuff's just going to be the way it always is, and it's not. This stuff will pass away. The only thing that's going to matter at the end of the day, and even when you're letting laying on your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking about, did I win that prize? You're going to be thinking about, if my life right with God, and if it is, what is my family going to do after this, right? So you got to stay focused on the true prize, which is always Jesus. It's always God. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. There's a lot of people claiming they're Christians out here, professing they're believers. They're not. You got to be careful. Going to church doesn't make you a believer any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. That's not how this thing works. Because you have got to have a personal relationship with God. So he's saying, there's a lot of people running, but only one of you is going to get the prize. And it's going to be the one that stays steadfast, that keeps moving forward. When the rest of the world is telling them to forget all this, you can't do this, you can't do that. No, you keep pressing on because he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Don't run for a little bit and look what's going on to the side and get distracted and then you get off sidetracked. The next thing you know, you're not even on the road anymore. You're out here. We've had some of those come through this house. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. We talked about this a minute ago. They do it to get a crown that will not last. When you're competing at an athlete, it can't be just about that blue ribbon or that first place trophy. You ain't got God, you ain't got anything. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But here's the deal. As a Christian, when you're competing, right, competing for souls that need to get to Jesus so they can find their way home, as a Christian, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We're going to die, and we're still going to have a victor's crown. Amen? Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. 
I'm not going all over the place. I got a direction. This is where I'm going with my life. You've got to have direction. You don't have direction. You're not going to get anywhere till you find some direction. Amen. You could be bouncing around all over the place. Believe in every wind of doctrine that comes your way. If you're not straight, head fast on for God. Everyone who competes in the games, go, oh, we already read that. Verse 26, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I'm aiming for a goal. We're aiming for a goal here at Next Level. There is a mission that we are trying to accomplish. We're not just here to look pretty on Sunday mornings. Okay. Y'all need to wake up this morning, amen? I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. What does that mean? That means a boxer that's swinging punches and not hitting anything. You're wasting your time and your energy. Swinging but never winning. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. How many of y'all know if you break the rules as an athlete, you can get disqualified and lose it all, right? But he says, I strike a blow to my body. What's he saying? He's saying, I bring the flesh under my control. I have control over my body, my choices, what I do, and what I do from here is going to determine what I do with the rest of my life. It's going to determine are we running aimlessly in circles. You're wasting energy. Run towards something. There's a prize to be had. So we aren't swinging at air. We strike a blow. We take it under our control because we don't want to get disqualified. He says that so that after I've preached to others... Basically, he says, so I won't lose my way. Let's talk about entertainment for a few minutes. We got to get ready to close. Entertainment. We mentioned there's going to be a movie theater in the final project. What are you talking about, preacher? God does not believe in that stuff. Oh, yes, he does. Where do you think that idea came from? The problem is the world has secularized and corrupted that thing. I believe God can use entertainment to change a whole lot of lives. Some people can just watch a movie. Have you ever been watching a movie and next thing you know you're bawling like a little baby on the couch? Uh, recently, look, she's, she's over here laughing. My wife tried watching that last night. She didn't finish it yet. But uh, some movie they were watching made her ball, right? But see, that's a way to people. So it will be godly entertainment. We want to do it at an affordable price. Now, we want to pay for whatever we're doing, but we also want to make it to where it's affordable so that people can come and hang out. That's the point. You're building a community. What do I have in common with other people? How can I hang out with you outside of church? What can we do to grow a relationship, be a brother and sister in Christ? And so we can use the entertainment world. That's not always saying it's going to be hardcore Christian movies, but they're going to be clean. Some movies just have a good message, right? And then they'll be the godly ones too. Galatians 6, 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Wow. If you're a child of God, any troubles they throw at you shouldn't work. They should know that you're a child of God. Are you marked for Jesus? For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. That's important. Because point number four, know how to remain godly in your entertainment. There's going to be different convictions for different people. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Proverbs 23, 19 to 21. Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much and 
too much wine or gorge themselves in meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. What does that have to do with entertainment? That has to do with choices. It's your choice what you're going to do. Are you a stumbling block or are you a stepping stone? What do you mean? Are you one that's causing others to stumble or are you one that's causing them to step up into what God has for their lives and what they have going on? See, the Bible doesn't say drinking's a sin. What it says is getting drunk's a sin. There's a reason. Because when you get drunk, you start acting a fool. And you're not supposed to be a fool. You're supposed to be godly. See, that's something the church don't like to talk. See? And then there's the sin that he just talked about that I think most of America's living in, right? Most of the church, gluttony. Woo. How many of y'all at the holidays? All right. I'm just going to be real. You overeat. That's gluttony. It's a sin. That's why we need Jesus. You overeat, you're in no condition to do anything. That's why you go take a nap after Thanksgiving dinner, right? Get all relaxed with the turkey, right? All right, let's keep going. Galatians 6.18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Point number five, let God lead your spirit. That's it. That's the key. You want to go somewhere? Let God lead. Let God lead in all things you do. Because here's what Romans 14 has, and I just threw this on, so we're going to read this real quick. It says, except the one, and he won't have this up there, so y'all just going to have to listen. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Stop fighting over nonsense. Receive other people. Lift them up. They're here because they know they need something. They don't need you to remind them how much of a sinner they are. They know that already or they wouldn't be here. Right? There's some sort of conviction there. They know they need to do something better. You want to get them out of that mindset of doing God a favor and get them in to let God do you a favor? We got to help with that. When they're here, you should make them feel welcome. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as a special day, so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. People have different convictions on different things. Some of you may believe, and God has spoke to you, don't eat meat. If that's the case, you can't condemn the person eating the meat, but if your person eating the meat, you can't condemn them either. And if they're vegetarian for a day, you need to be a vegetarian for a day if you're at their house. Not trying to get them to eat the meat, because then you're causing them to stumble. Amen? Let's keep reading. Um, yes, verse seven, for no one of us lives for ourselves alone and no one of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord for this very reason. Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. 
You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. What's your account look like? Before you worry about the splinter in your brother or sister's eye, you better worry about the plank in your own eye. The two before in your own eye, right? All right, let's keep reading. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in a way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So what's that say? If you're pleasing God, guess what? The human approval is going to come. You're going to see how you're living your life. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. We just talked about that. They're a vegetarian for a day. Guess what? So are you. You don't cause them to stumble because then you're entering into sin yourself. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fail. Why do we say don't even drink? Someone might see you at the bar. You may only have one bottle of beer, but they see you and say, oh, did you see so-and-so? Now you're a stumbling block. That's why we say abstain. Get away from it. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God because blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Mm. Check this out. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. James 4 says it this way. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. There's your definition of sin if you've been seeking. Let's read this last verse and we're going to get ready to wrap it up. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. If you see me doing something that blesses you, guess what? I'm going to be like Paul. Then you go do it. Bless somebody else. Me and Brett are quick to tell you up front, we're not perfect. So if we fall, it shouldn't be catastrophic for you. Right? Little things we do that 
maybe bothers you. We've got we're working this thing out too. We're all walking this thing out. We're we're working and walking out our salvation on a day to day basis. We're getting ready to dismiss. For those of you tuning with us online this morning, thank you so much for joining with us this morning. God bless each and every one of you. If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is where your journey starts. All you do is ask. You say, "Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner." I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. Pray that prayer you meant it from the bottom of your heart. Congratulations, welcome to the maybe you're a child of God welcome to the family and your next step is you need to be baptized you need to join a church family that you can be discipled because that's what we're commanded to do disciple others amen God bless you guys so much thank you for tuning online we'll see you next week